0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wise Woman Podcast. Today, we have Dimali Peterman, lawyer, mediator, educator, and we are talking about negotiation tips, how her business was birthed because of the 2016 election, the art of negotiation, truly knowing your value being a mom and the work-life balance of a superstar lady boss and a mother a little bit about mom guilt damali's incredible resource using a resource map the strength of weak ties and how if there isn't room at a table guess what you start your own table thanks for being here Hi, everyone, and welcome to Wise Woman podcast number 12, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine, authenticity, and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I'm super excited about today's guest. We have Damali Peterman, lawyer, mediator, educator. So happy to have you here. Hi, Erin. Thank you so
1: much. I'm just thrilled to be here today.
0: Thank you. We are thrilled as well. So please tell us, how did you start on this journey?
1: That's a great question. I think uh, the start to this journey really began at the end of another journey, Uh, I was working in corporate America for a pretty big company as an in-house attorney. Uh, Before that, I worked for a big company, a big law firm. And, you know, um, the 2016 elections occurred. And when the results of the elections came out, I remember walking home from a a celebration party that wasn't that celebratory at the end, um, thinking the world is going to need more conflict resolvers. Uh, so what I did was I, I, and that was what, November 4th or so, November 4th. And so what I did over the next week was I just started thinking about how I wanted to bring my conflict resolution skills to the forefront. I started thinking about the legacy that I wanted to leave for my children and for my family. And I actually took out a sheet of paper and ended up, being up. It, was, it was actually a legal pad, um, And I wrote down all the things that I knew how to do. And then I started to circle the things that I love to do. And from that, I saw a pattern emerge. And those patterns led me to the three professions that you mentioned a few moments ago of being a lawyer, basically an advocate, of being a mediator to help people to resolve conflict, and then an educator to empower people and to teach them how to resolve their own conflicts
0: so incredibly important. And of course, it was birthed during a very sensitive time in our country. Of course. Wow. And what is it? How does business perform these days?
1: Um, so I mean basically you have a lot of people who want support in figuring out how to do basic things from having a difficult conversation with someone or learning things like the art of negotiation, like how do I increase myself, uh, figuring out how to ask for what you want, how to stand in your truth and power and know your value. And if you're negotiating for, if you are negotiating an employment agreement or and trying to figure out what valuation to use or what salary or amount you should be paid, just kind of having some, some training or some coaching to assist with that. And that's really the educational part of it or touches upon the educational part of it. For the mediation, um, what's becoming a noticeable trend, and I guess this has been happening for a long time, um, is if there is an HR department, sometimes it's difficult if HR isn't seen as being neutral, right? And so kind of outsourcing some of those HR functions to a third party that is neutral. So sending people in conflict in the workplace to me to help work with them and help work them through the conflict Uh, Alternatively, if you don't have human resources, just knowing that you can talk to someone to help you either one-on-one figure out a path to navigate conflict um, or having a place to go to have someone facilitate a conversation with one or more people has been another sweet spot for me. And I keep using this word conflict and I think most people's orientation with the word conflict, um, it's usually somewhat mired in a negative place and that's because the word conflict, if you were to just do a, a random word association game and say, if I say conflict, what's the first word that, com- that comes to your mind? Many people will say something like argument, agreement, war, you know, misunderstanding, a lot of negative terms. But at its core, Aaron, uh, conflict is just, it could be just a problem. It could be a disagreement. It could be just a difference of opinion. It doesn't have to be like such a deeply charged emotional word. Um, and so I just wanted to say that because I remember walking into a room once and asking, okay, who here has a conflict? And no one answered. No one raised their hand. And I was like, wow, a conflict-free room. Like this is the first. <laughs> and then when I defined conflict, everyone re- re- everyone raised their hand. I think partially because I had demystified the term and I'd taken some of the negativity away from the term and made it okay to admit that there was some conflict going on.
0: Absolutely. I also, I share a workshop on conflict mediation and conflict competency and really it it ended up becoming a workshop that focuses on locations in conflict. So a lot of my studies was Israel, Palestine, Eastern Europe, like post-Stalin's rule, Mexico, America, um, India, Pakistan. So these were the conflicts I was really focusing in on. And I would bring this training into in certain universities. And it's so important. You're right. When we think of conflict, we think of wars and tragedy and sometimes it's smaller and it's gentler and it's just showing up for the dissonance and just before you and I started this podcast we were talking about something that i feel very strongly about stepping into your power and for the listeners on for the people who are listening right now and those who are trying to show up for themselves what are some tools they can use to really step into their power and know their value
1: i love that question knowing your value knowing your worth and kind of owning it are things that I think could always be improved. So even if you think you're an expert in it, there are always some tricks and tips that you could use to make it even more known or make yourself go to the next level of expertise, if you will. Um, And so the first thing that I'll say is that I often tell people, always ask for what you want. What's the worst thing that could happen? They would say no, but you'll never know how they how the response could have differed, unless you ask. And what I found for a lot of people that I've counseled with that advice is that I would say a majority of the time, if I had to assign a percentage to it, I would say 83% of the time. I just kind of pulled that number out of the sky. Um, people say, wow, either they got what they want, they were able to negotiate something comparable, or um, they just felt so invigorated by the process that. There wasn't an immediate no, but there was a discussion, and then they kind of talked through the various points, um, that they felt that it was so worth it to just to just ask. And so I find it really important. Um, I think it's super important for uh, listeners who are along are listening along with us on this journey right now to think about what they want um, and ask for it.
0: Absolutely. Really getting deep. I even feel as though we don't even know what we want. Like we're still deciding what truly is best for us. For example, I have a client who's negotiating her salary right now. She knows what she wants. Um, She's very nervous to ask exactly for the number that she wants. She also wants to be able to work from home one to two days a week because the commute is not in her favor. And We were talking about what really was the fear behind connecting to your value and asking for what you most desire. And what we decided to do was really root her into a grounding mindfulness practice and have her visualize, asking her boss, asking her superior, what she most likely needs. And we came to the same conclusion. What is the worst that can happen? You receive the word no. It's important to declare out verbally what you most desire and connect to it. clear away all the other dust, like all the other fluff that we get distracted by. When you talk about negotiation, what are some tips that you recommend?
1: So just using the hypothetical situation, or actually using the actual situation that you mentioned with your client, and I'll say that I also have the same situation for myself. And I've had it for many of my clients as well, as I've helped them to negotiate employment agreements as a lawyer, as opposed to a mediator um, or an educator. And even for myself, when I was working at a, at a big law firm, um, I went on maternity leave, I was ready to come back, but I, my life had changed. There were things that I wanted to do to be both a great mom and also a great attorney. And so I wanted to work from home twice a week. Um, when I had asked for that, it hadn't been done before. Women either went back full-time or part-time. There was no remote working arrangement in my law firm. It was a a pretty big law firm. And so I was discouraged by many people from even asking it. And I said, well, what's the worst that could happen? They could say no, but if I make a compelling argument as to why why they should say yes, also to show how it would affect both my productivity and the company. Um, And then think about what my bottom line was, then why would they say no? So to answer your question with respect to tips, the first is preparation. You have to be prepared to answer questions. And so if you're negotiating something like a salary or to work remotely, think about the various questions that they may ask, anticipate them and prepare to either present them first or to respond to them, and so in my own situation, when I went in to make the app, um, actually I, I sent an email because I wasn't, I had not returned from maternity leave yet. Um, I was very concise. I made a compelling and efficient argument, and I said, "I'm excited about coming back." So first, if they were wondering if the communication was to say I've decided not to come back, um, they knew that was not it. So I could, I could feel them like exhaling when they saw that. And then two, I was hoping you would consider the following. I live not that far away. I have someone to help me with, you know, the baby. So I'm not going to be like a full-time mom while I'm doing the work, but I would like to work from home twice a week. Um, I like to have consistent days. So everyone is aware of this arrangement and it's not going to affect productivity. If there's a meeting that you need me to be in the office for, I'll be there. And then let's take it from there. And so it was probably a four-sentence email. And they responded almost immediately to say, sure, this hasn't been done before, but I don't know why we wouldn't do this for you. And they did. And I had that situation for over a year until I was uh, poached by a client. And then I went in-house. And uh, same thing happened. There had not been a situation where person who was coming back from maternity leave had this, at least in in the Office of General Counsel where I worked as a lawyer, um, had the opportunity to work remotely twice a week. New environment, new set of rules. I had a second child. I requested the same thing and almost immediately the answer was yes.
0: Wow.
1: That also, so everyone who had kids after me then had the precedent of it being given to me and then they were able to ask for it too. Um, And so, so to to answer your question, preparation is key. Also, knowing if we're talking about a number, knowing kind of what your target number is, what your, you know, pie in the sky number is. So basically, you know, this is what I want. What is my pie in the sky number? And then on the other end of that spectrum is, what is my walk away number? You know, what am I willing to accept before I say, you know, you know what, this isn't gonna work out for me. Um, But I think that, negotiate I me mean, I think that preparation and then knowing what you want um, and then being able to articulate it is super key for any almost any negotiation not just you know an employment negotiation but if you want to purchase a car if you're trying to negotiate you know purchasing a home or even if you're trying to negotiate not spending a lot for some type of independent contractor relationship.
0: Everything you are suggesting is so important and incredible and can be adapted to our work and life balance. And even myself, I think about all the times where I really do need to mediate and show up for myself and really recognize my own value. But something that you keep bringing up is you are doing all this work and you are a mother. How do you balance that?
1: You know, sometimes I wonder if I'm balancing it well. Um, I do have help and that is key. I think that um, it's really important if you have, it's really important to use your resources. Um, I realized a long time ago, and the best way that I can communicate it is to, to tell you this. Um, when I grew up, my parents, especially my mom, would always say, you have to always make sure you, you make dinner for your family every night. And that was something that was really important in my home. My mom stayed home with us, and so she was. All, we had breakfast together, we had dinner together, and that was our routine. And so when I first had my first child, I remember thinking, I have to make sure there's dinner every day, dinner every day. And then one day, Erin, I had an epiphany, and it was, I just have to make sure the dinner is there, so I can order it, you know, I, it could be delivered. And guess what? No one ever noticed the difference. No one was like, oh, you didn't make this actually there are way more different types of cuisines that could be delivered than I could ever attempt to make in life. And so it was just such a relief to think that I didn't have to do everything. And so you asked how I managed everything, how I balanced everything. And I said, I'm not sure if I'm doing a great job. Um, But what I have learned to do, um, my oldest son is seven. I have learned to really rely on my village and to tell myself that it's okay that I don't do everything. Um, which is why I mentioned that that cooking story. Um, So I have, you know, someone to help me watch the kids and pick the kids up, um, which is super helpful because that means that I can try to get things a lot of, I can try to accomplish more um, before I go home so that I can give them my undivided attention.
0: Absolutely. It's no small feat to be a mother and to work in the same space. I was just reading, um, so I present, we met at South by Southwest, and I presented on positive psychology and mindfulness in the workspace. And a bunch of the conversations during that time was all about the maternal wall. And there's this one specific study that kept getting referenced at this other workshop that I attended the day before, how when men go back to work, they get an 8% pay increase, and women get about a 6% pay cut. And it's like this maternal wall that's like really hard to come through. It's not even the glass ceiling anymore. So it's quite fascinating. And it seems like you found a way out of it. You're thriving through it.
1: Yeah. You know, I think part of it too was, you know, as I mentioned before, just asking for what I needed to make it work in the beginning. So having a couple of days to work from home and that goes right to that, you know, mom guilt that any mother will tell you about, any working mother will tell you that they experience. And I suspect most mothers, you always wonder, are you doing the right things? Am I spending enough time on this? Should I be doing that? I think that's something that every mother has in common. Um, With respect to leaving corporate America and then starting my own companies, um, that was a lot because it was almost like having two new kids. (laughs) Um, And I have to say that the support that you have, so even if it's someone amazing like you who is giving you good advice and coaching and helping you think about things in a different way. If it's a, a partner, like my husband is very supportive. Um, my mother, she always told me when I was a child that I could be, become anything I wanted to become. I could be anyone that I wanted to be and I could do anything without any limitations. And so I never thought there were any limitations. Um, and so one thing I want to say on this podcast, in case there are people that are listening who've never, who have never heard that before, you can, do anything that you want to do, of course, legally, um, and you can be anything that you want to be, and think about what that is, and then look into your resources. Um, one tip that I found to be really helpful um, that was recently imparted to me is something called putting together a resource map. And you know, it's something that probably a lot of our uh, of your listeners have already done uh, in some form or fashion throughout their you know lifetime. Uh, but basically a resource map is writing down what you need or want to accomplish. So for example, if you want to write a book, um, then in the next column, you would write down who you know that can help you to accomplish that. And it may be that, you know, you, you, you may realize, oh, I met someone who wrote a book before. So maybe I can ask that person, like, what did you do? How did you start off? Or maybe I, I know someone who's in publishing and I can ask them if they have any resources. So starting to identify who you know um, that can help you to accomplish the goal. And then step three um, is an action plan. So in one day, I'm going to email X person to ask them how did they start their book. Um, And so it's really a great way to think about um, how we can, one, Tap into the community that we already have because sometimes we think, "Oh, I want to do this, but I don't know anyone." But maybe you do. Maybe once you start writing it down, you may realize that you actually know someone who's in the industry that could be a resource.
0: I love that idea. It is incredibly brilliant. And one of my greatest practices that I actually, I practice something called the strength of weak ties. And it was in Meg Jay's, Dr. Meg Jay's book, The Defining Decade, how. You definitely know somebody, and especially in the world of social media, you're looking on Instagram, you're looking on Facebook, you're scrolling through Twitter, you know somebody, you search the hashtag, they're going to be an expert in that field. Go on LinkedIn, you find out that you have a connection of a connection of a connection, you ask for an intro, and then you ask for a phone call. Like, that's the beautiful thing. That's one of the greatest, most positive things about social media in the world. You have this goal you decide who your weak ties are, and you reach out and say, hey, can you hop on a phone call with me? Brilliant. So incredible, something that everyone needs to try. So if you're listening and you have a goal, practice the resource map, reach out to the people that can help you succeed. Damali, this is so incredible.
1: Thank you, Erin. And I would add to that, sometimes you don't know what a person's history is. And so you may not realize that someone in your network may in a past life have, that person may have been, you know, a DJ or a CEO of a company or a barista and you want to open a coffee shop. And so the other advice that I would impart is if you have something in your mind, say it, put it out there, write it down, but definitely say it. I was having tea with someone that I met on vacation while we were like vacationing in Guadalupe, and. I remember saying, Oh, I was thinking about doing this. And she said, Oh, well, 20 years ago, I did this and I know people in that industry. And I would have, it would have never occurred to me that she, you know, worked in that industry. But just for the mere fact that I shared it with her, I took it out of my mind and put it out into the universe. She was able to immediately send an email and then someone sent me a list of eight people. So I didn't even, I mean, it was amazing. I was so, wow that in five minutes i had an answer and an action plan um just because i just mentioned something in passing
0: that is so incredible yes like pay attention to what's occurring naturally that's a beautiful example do you have any projects that you're working on right now that you're super excited about
1: oh my gosh erin yes i i do um well i am trying to write a book (laughs) so that was like a real life example Um, I love writing. I was an English major in college. um, And even though my career path, well, I do a lot of writing every day in in my job, uh, my day-to-day life. Um, But I really want to put uh, actually two books out there. Um, And so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm excited about um, trying to take all of this knowledge that I've been providing as an educator and in-person trainings or video conference trainings. And I'm trying to take all the knowledge and information that has been provided as services and put them into uh, products. So the book is one product. Another product would be online courses. And so I'm so excited to finally feel like I'm in the digital age and, and doing something that could have a more global reach because it's so important to me. And it's so important to me that people are empowered to resolve their own conflicts. Um, It's so easy to go to someone and ask for help, and and actually, sometimes it's not easy to go to someone and ask for help. Um, There are a lot of resources um, available, uh, but I think that if we could empower more people with the tools they need to have improved communication, so if we're talking about active listening or other ways to to talk more effectively, uh, because my belief is, it doesn't matter your age, your profession, your background, your gender, your ethnicity. Everyone can benefit from uh, communication skills, can benefit from conflict resolution management or de-escalation techniques. Everyone from small children <laughs> to you know more mature adults.
0: What does this look like when you come into an organization to bring in conflict resolution practices? What do you normally start with? What are the themes you focus on? So that's a great question. So I will say, part of it is
1: dependent upon the company, and also where I am, because I'm very aware and I know with your background, you probably are as well of cross cultural communication. And so there are some things that will be more important uh, to a company, uh, depending on both the, the culture of the environment they're in, so their business culture, but also the culture of, uh, let's say, the country or you know where they are, you know, actually geographically located. Um, and so, uh, usually, what I like to do is just kind of start with uh, defining what I think conflict is. And I will say, conflict is a word that I can't use in some some settings. I have to say cross-cultural alignment or find another way to to kind of package it um, so that it doesn't seem like I'm saying that they have conflict. And so these are all these things that are going on as I'm try- as I'm trying to choose my words, um, but I usually start with some some activities. So trying to get a sense of what people do, what their natural responses are, and then identifying that a lot of people have the ability to resolve conflicts. Of course, uh, we all have our triggers, right? People who know us the best know our habits. They know how to get under our skin. They know our triggers. And so as you're testing out some of the new skills um, or honing your skills, it's often good to test them out on people who may not be as familiar with your pattern. Um, but I usually start out with, um, you know, talking about things like active listening and reflections and how to really show that you're engaged in the conversation and listening to someone who may not be showing you the best version of themselves if they are in conflict,
0: right? This makes me think of A lot of the research that I've done in the past. I mean, it's so incredible. This is like one of my most passionate topics because when you live in a space with conflict or a work environment with conflict, you can't really connect to your projects through passion or purpose. And when I was at, I did my master's at Columbia University and I was lovingly hand selected to be one of my professor's research assistants. And I was studying Uh, conflict resolution, like peace building across different cultures, specifically uh, young adults who grow up in Palestine, Israel, India, and throughout Europe and Latin America and the States. And there's this great organization in New York called Seeds of Peace, and they produce a lot of this programming in a camp setting. And I looked at their research, and I looked at a lot of the research that I was doing at Columbia, and we found that what we really have to do is have people see opposite their own conflict, which obviously is easier said than done. But as it relates across cultures, it's best if on Friday night they practice Shabbat. On Saturday morning they do the Islam call to prayer, and on Sunday they go to church. And it was almost—it sounds— obvious but it's like really not and it's so important to have people practice the morals the values of the opposite culture
1: i have done all three of those things by the way
0: amazing
1: (laughs) that's beautiful for the very same reason to have a better understanding of different cultures
0: do you have any specific rituals or practices that really help ground you you
1: you know, that's a great question. Um, I like to listen to music. I like to tell myself, like give myself pep talks, like, you know, like you've got this, which is something that I say to everyone every day. I'm also like that person that high fives all the time. I'd love to give a good high five. Um, I would like to be more grounded in mindfulness in um, full disclosure. I've downloaded a couple of apps for meditating. Uh, after attending like some great retreats, and I actually have one coming up um, next month. Uh, I really want to meditate. I I want to so badly, Erin, and I, I just have to do it and commit to it. Um, I think that would be a great practice to adopt. But I do go to Pilates twice a week, which really, I think is great for the, the mind and body. Um, but I want to exercise my mind more in the sense of like that, that 5, 10, 15-minute time to to meditate each
0: day. Whenever you want to sit, I would love to meditate with you. I love retreats. I have one coming up May 2 to 7 in Tulum, if you're free, or India in January. Um, But you're right. These retreats are so important to study meditation and connect to the mind. So my last question, if you had the ears of all the wise women in the world, what would you like to say to them? what wisdom would you share?
1: Hmm. I think in addition to what I've already said, which is, you know, always ask for what you want. Um, I really think it's important for each woman to know their value and know their worth. And I think that Sometimes we talk ourselves out of things or talk ourselves down from ideas um, because we are having imposter syndrome or questioning whether we can do it or, um, you know, perhaps there have been some naysayers in our past or in our past um, that may make us doubt what we bring to the table. And so... My advice to all the wise women out there would be to know your worth, know your value, um, to stand in your truth and power. And I guess the next step would be how do you do that? Well, one, show up. I found that most of the hard, the hardest part for people to do, the hardest thing for people to do is to show up. If someone invites you to a meeting, if someone steps with me for coffee, um, I can't tell you how many wonderful things have come out of just showing up before you do anything else. And I think because what it shows is drive and determination, also that you make commitments and keep them, uh, you're reliable, among other things. And then after that, if it's something where it's a conversation on you know, negotiating terms or asking for a raise or asking for a promotion or doing something that may feel a little bit risky, but you've always wanted to do it, like having a podcast or, or, or writing a book, um, know that you bring something to the table that is valuable and that if you think it's valuable, guess what? Many other people will probably find, find value in it too. And so I just think that it's so important uh, for people, for women, wise women to know their worth And also, if you get to the table and there's not a space for you, either make a space or guess what? Start a new table. Start a new table. And I assure you, people will sit at your table.
0: Amazing. That is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom as always with podcasts we need high rating subscribers and comments to receive good good standing and to continue sharing wise words with the women around the globe so please comment subscribe rate us we love hearing from you i'm going to add all of damali's notes and the footnotes you can connect with her and see her beautiful website we look forward to chatting again next week thank you all so much and have a good day